0: Welcome everybody to Pancreation Philosophy, episode one hundred and fifty. I'm your host Pocholo Cruz, and I'm excited to bring on my guest today. Go ahead, and introduce yourself, sir. How are you? <laughs> yeah.
1: Hey, Pocholo. Uh, This is Hike Taravocian. I'm good. Thanks for asking, man. Thanks for having okay. me on your show. How are you? Yeah.
0: No, I'm doing great, man. So yeah, you were recommended, of course, by my previous guest Vlad, and yeah, he said he said that he thought that you'd have um, yeah you, you you have a lot to say. I, I know you have a book that just recently came out uh do you mind like telling the audience like the title of it yeah
1: yeah yeah it's called the power of mindset which was probably the most appropriate title we can come up with took me like a year to figure it out (laughs) but i i I was writing that book for three years so i I didn't have a plan to to, for it to be big i didn't have a plan for it to be sold or anything else Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. actually it was on amazon we pulled it out i had to fired my publisher and self-published later. So it's, okay. it's, been a, it's been a journey to learn how to actually the book business works. I'm okay. uh, still fresh into it. So yeah, it's, it's called The Power of Mindset. Okay. Um, it's, it's not fully available on Amazon yet. It will be in the next couple of weeks.
0: In the next couple of weeks. Okay, so I guess diving back into like the beginning of, of the book. So how did you, uh, you said you've been, for at, or you start writing three years or been writing it for three years. So how did you get mm-hmm. started or what, what like made you want to start writing a book?
1: Uh, first it was more of a manual. I, I do a good amount of training for business. Um, you know, some life coaching and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted to have everything on, on the piece of paper because a lot of it was in my head and often it's, it's kind of a stressful place to be where all of your training and stuff, you know, is in your head. So I thought I'd put it into this manual Mm -hmm. and I can just, you know, be sending people to have people access to it and I can share and just tell people where to go and get it. Um, as I started writing about six months of writing, I had about 400 pages of content. <laughs> uh, I, I started actually narrowing it down and then, you know, next thing I realized I've got, you know, 300 pages of what it seemed like to be good, good content. So I approached a, uh, a publishing company at the time and they probably take about 10,000 books submittals medals a year. They yeah. approve, I want to say anywhere between 50 to 100 books. Okay. Um, they got back to me and said, we approve your book, um, which was honorable. But after a little bit of work with them, I realized I don't want to take the publishing route. Uh, I don't like people owning my content and tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. So quickly realized how that works, you know, pull it back out, hired some, you know, people to help me edit content and you know ghostwriting and and make it more american writing because english is my third language as you can imagine i'm not the best writer out there Mm -hmm. ids are good but the actual language itself (laughs) was not so i went through like four different editors and again three years later now we have it available and um Long story short, the book talks about balance, right? Okay. Uh, it's not just about business success or you know, fitness success or having a you know, successful marriage. In my opinion, it's all about uh, the, the four tanks that I really talk about, which is family, fitness, finances, and friendship. Okay. Um, it took many years for me to realize what balance meant because I moved to the United States in 2001 for one goal, and the goal was to pursue the American dream.
0: Mm-hmm. And as you
1: can imagine, poor boy growing up in a former Soviet Union country, I grew up without electricity, right? And I remember just to get two, three hours of electricity at night. That was like the funnest thing. We play outside until it's dark and you see the whole neighborhood light up and all the kids are running inside just to watch television for, for an hour, hour and a half, two <laughs> hours. Or yeah. mother lines up food, gets ready to cook for two hours and then it's all we get, right? So growing up in that environment, I had a really big hole in my heart thinking that money would take care of all my problems. And, you know, American Dream got popular in the 90s, in 2000, early 2000, me and my dad came here. Um, you know, we worked our butts off construction, pizzerias, you name it. You know, just, just driving around, uh, looking for deliveries. Uh, we did everything possible to make, you know, a penny. So uh, I got exposed to the insurance industry about 13 years ago okay. and um, did really well for me. My, my first year, we were one of the top agencies in, in, in our six states. Mm-hmm. We've led our, our territory for the last, you know, 10 years in a row. This year, our 10th year anniversary with the number one office in Washington in, in, in raw production. So it's been doing well for me. But about five years ago, I realized I'm overworked. I am out of shape. I gained a bunch of 50 pounds. Oh, wow. um, yeah. To me, um, being financially stable wasn't the answer because I was more depressed. I was less happy. Mm-hmm. I had less friends, less relationships. Things were not going well in my life. To me, as soon as I hit my first six-figure income, I realized this is not what I wanted, right? Mm-hmm. Um, started taking time off business, started hiring better, started training better, started losing weights, doing marathons, triathlons, all kinds of things. And I noticed. It gave me a thing called time, which is what a lot of business owners do not really know how to create. They mainly focus on income, and they're still in there creating a job. They don't realize opening up a business, there's one point, and one point is to create jobs in the community. And The better jobs you create, the better business does. And that's when I realized less is more. I started doing less. Our production numbers went up. My you know, winners in my business started producing more. I started getting more time, more income. My employees started making more money. Uh, more income came in. It impacted my lifestyle but I used that time to religiously spend with myself and health health and fitness brought the relationships into my life. I got married, I had kids, I started spending more time with friends. And I realized, again, it wasn't just about the financial tank. It was family finances, uh, uh friendship and the fitness tank together, right? So how do you balance that out? How do you work on one thing? How do you take some time off of the other? And I think life is all about the continuous balancing of this imperfect balance that goes up and down and it's okay to essentially let those things slip and by. So, Essentially, that was the coaching I put into this book and uh, hopefully pretty soon it's going uh, go to be, it's going to go into the grand launch and that we can get a bunch of copies out there.
0: Okay. Okay. So I guess question on like the fitness element of it, you mentioned you started doing like marathons and triathlons and stuff like that. Like what, mm-hmm. like what, what about those? Like, uh, I guess like races or like events made you want to do them? Yeah.
1: Uh, to me it was just I wanted to lose weight okay. 250 did not look good on me uh, <laughs> I, I, I felt slow I felt unhealthy mm-hmm. had a big gut you know so uh, to me I mean ideally everybody's this threshold is marathon right it sounded like pretty impressive to me too yes. so I thought to myself like running is one of the main ways to lose weight so what's you know what's holding me back so mm-hmm. I remember I went out I got on the gym I did three miles on a treadmill my ankles swell I couldn't finish three miles. <laughs> so uh, yeah. it, it You know, one of my mentors in the business, he said, uh, he used to be a a stock broker and he said, sometimes when you don't know what companies to invest into for your stocks to do well, look for a CEO that runs marathons. And I didn't know what that meant at the time. And I asked him too, he's like, I don't know either, but I remember at the time we were selling a lot of stocks. He goes, when we consistently look for CEOs that run marathons, their stocks just tend to do better. Law huh. of large numbers. I'm like, that's interesting to know. Yeah. So I'm like, so he didn't have the answer either. So I'm like, let me at least find, let, let at least find out the answer. So yeah. I learned a lesson the hard way. It took me six months to go from not being able to run at all, and every week I would add a mile. Right. So I got to you know week uh, you know twenty something, and I was at twenty plus miles. The day yeah. came, so I did my my first twenty six mile run, and we had a quick meeting with my my mentor group, and uh, my mentor Ali was there as well. we were talking about the lesson. Here's the mm-hmm. lesson you learn that. Nobody cares. You got to get tougher. Yeah. It doesn't get easier. You just need <laughs> to get stronger. Yeah. And also, it taught me the value of influence. I noticed mm-hmm. when I was getting results, I would come into work and I would kind of show off my results to my team. I would show them a smartwatch I got that measure my steps. My pace was picking up. My weight was dropping. I would show them the digital side of what it looks like on the application that it came with my Garmin watch. All of them started getting the similar watches. All of them got into races. A lot of them started doing Spartan races with me, mm-hmm. 5Ks and F marathons with me. Uh, again, influence-wise, it improved my organization and improved my motivation level. And it gave me a lot of time where I'm forcefully listening to audiobooks, right? Because it's not just about music at all times. Education should never end, right? So it's not about high school, college, or you know, postgraduate program. It's about listening to people that know what they're talking about, kind of like this podcast, and getting ideas. Because a lot of good ideas are not necessarily new, but they're reminders with different stories. Yes. And that's why I think podcasts and audiobooks, they're very important. And there's also a lot of new lessons to learn. People that think that have everything figured out, in my opinion, are really dumb, right? So
0: yes, yeah.
1: So that was the lesson for why is it important to invest into a company that has a CEO who does endurance
0: races? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no. So it really is interesting, though. How, yeah, how that kind of because you know people they don't really attribute like the physical, like the connection between like the physical and the mental, like from from there, but. If anything, I mean, I'm sure you can relate just like that. There, there's a large mental aspect in like physical mm-hmm. feats for sure.
1: Oh, it's interconnected. I think yes. you, you can't just, you can't be physically healthy and not to be mentally healthy, right? And vice mm-hmm. versa. I think mentally mm-hmm. healthy people are physically healthy as well. Oh, you yes. see some people who are, I mean, I, I remember the beginning phase of my business. I was working my tail off mm-hmm. and that's when I was gaining weight. And One time I remember one of my chapters, I called it the uh, out of shape fat guy in the Ferrari. Uh, and I do remember like I was broke my first year in business. I had no hope of making it. And it was just, it was, it was a, it was a rough first year in business. And I remember I pulled up to Starbucks and I was buying coffee for my team and I see this nice F430 Ferrari, beautiful car. Um, blonde girlfriend gets out of there. And then I look over convertible, right? Drop top. Yeah. And yeah. there's this huge guy sitting there with his belly rubbing against the steering wheel. He's just sweating, barely like almost breathing out of shape. And I'm like, I'm going to look like this guy. And if looking like this guy is what gets me that Ferrari, I do not want this kind of a lifestyle, right? So yeah. that was another, and again, I'm not putting emphasis and saying it's bad to be overweight. There are, I have friends who are, and I'm kind of mm-hmm. influencing, but mm-hmm. that's obesity. It causes vascular, un, you know, issues with health. It causes uh, depression. It causes so many other issues with the health as well. So I think mental obesity is another issue as well, and they're kind of interconnected. Oh, for sure. Uh, to me, I think physical health comes even before mental health. Because mm. mental health often struggles. And yeah. when I skip a few days of training, uh, my wife even noticed my mood is different. I'm actually mentally weaker for a couple of days if I'm not training. So to me, I'm associating both together. There's no either or. It's both. And how you do anything is how you do everything. In my opinion, you should do everything best way not to just look good, but feel good and also act good. So you can not just do good others uh, by, your, by yourself, but also good, uh, do good things to others as well. Uh, And also really believe in the law of attraction that you don't attract what you want, you attract what you are. So if you do want better relationships and healthier people and more successful people, because everybody wants better friends and better connections. Well, you need to become that better friend and better connection. So others want you, right? So when that happens, you start bringing the same thing around. That's why selfishly speaking, take care of the man in the mirror. Everything else follows
0: got it got it and i think that leads to the next question then because yeah because you mentioned like you know friendships like from there as one of the as one of the what do you call it, pillars or tenets of that so like when yeah when you're when you're i guess when you're looking for like friendships or i think that's something that because you know when you're when when people are young or when k- kids it seems like easy to make friends like what what is like how does like friendship play a role like in people's lives that you feel it kind of gets like looked not looked directly
1: upon yeah yeah you know the the friendship tank came to me after i was losing the friendship tank so it's almost (laughs) like you have to lose an arm to realize how important your arm was to you because you take advantage of your arm right And you you realize oh my goodness i could have done things with two hands now i only have one Mm -hmm. right so what could have i done not to and i Mm -hmm. think could have should have would have like to live in regrets live in the past and i and i was i was sacrificing a lot of my relationships pursuing this american dream I uh, wasn't really hanging out with friends. To me, I'm like, you know what? Those who matter don't mind. Those who mind don't matter. Not always true, you know. <laughs> some of your friends really want you to kind of maintain. There's a saying: "Ounce of preventative care is better than a pound of medicine." Right? Um, it took me to lose some relationships to realize how important it was to me. And there was a story I heard that really stood out to me. It was about a college professor who came in front of his students with two big empty jars, and he said, "Here's the example. These jars represent your life," and he threw tennis balls inside. And tennis balls filled out the jars to the top. And he's asking his class, are these things full? And everybody's like, yeah, they're full of tennis balls. Then he grabs marbles. He throws marbles that fill up the gaps in between the tennis balls. And he's like, is it full now? And the students are kind of laughing like, yeah, it's full. Then he grabs sand. He pours sand in the jars. And then sand fills in the gaps between the marbles and the tennis balls. He's like, is it full now? And students are having fun with him saying, yeah, it is. And then at the end, he goes like this. Here's the last example. He grabs two cups of coffee or two cups of beer in some example, right? Pours it into the into the jars. And he says, this is your life. The tennis balls can represent your job or your family. The marbles could represent, you know, something else that takes up time, like friends and uh, excuse me, like, you know, career commitments and stuff like that. The sand can be ambiguity, difficulty, like all the stuff that you might be facing that seems like there's not much hope left. But I just want to let you know, no matter how full your life jar is, you should always make a time for a cup of coffee with your friend." Or a, or, a, or a glass of beer, right? Or a bottle of beer with your friend. Uh, that story was significant to me because in my early 20s, I, w- I was wearing myself out in business and thinking I can, there's no way I can do this long term. Mm-hmm. Once I brought the friendship tank back where I started taking lunch breaks with my friends. I started taking workout breaks from 3 to 6. because so I was working 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Yeah. Uh, five to six days a week, Sundays I would take it off for church and family. Um, I started taking gym breaks, three to six, and I would ask my friends to join me, again, way for me to spend time away from work, reset, right? And I think it's an important piece of recharging your batteries to spend the time because I was getting so productive thinking every conversation needs to be business, it needs to be productive, it needs to bring in income, I was forgetting that, that BS conversation over a cup of coffee, or even, again, it's not about the coffee. It's about sometimes the workout, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it was so vital because it would re-energize you and, again, bring back the balance because as soon as you lower one part of the family fight, finishes, and friendship tank, one goes down, the other goes up, right? So if I noticed my, my financial tank was going down, well, I was having too much time. I was spending too much time with my friends. I was spending too much time on fitness. And as soon as my financial tank would go up, I'm, I'm probably not doing as much as fitness and not spending mm-hmm. time with family. So the key was to do this, right? How do you mm-hmm. go up and down, up and down? Some weeks, I'm, I'm training 20 hours a week. Some weeks, I'm training five because my business requires attention, because my wife was being neglected, because my kids need my time, right? So again, I, I, I don't believe when somebody says, oh, I've got this schedule. Here's what I do it needs to be tweaked at all times yeah, because yeah. guess what? Life is not a perfect schedule, <laughs> yeah. right? Life so, doesn't go
0: on schedule. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. things
1: happen. Like, again, like knock on wood, you know, uh, things are great right now, but just two weeks ago, one of my team members, really good employees, uh, got diagnosed with cancer and, you know, mm-hmm. um, God gave her the strength and everything to fight it off. And they had a mm-hmm. surgery. Things are going well, but guess what happens when your top employees pulled away from your business? You're in there doing stuff you haven't done. I'm, I was picking up phone calls. My clients are like, is everything okay? Why are you answering the phone? (laughs) I'm like, well, everything is okay. Not okay. And so, you know, I want to respect their privacy, but now, now she's good. So we're telling people what happened.
0: Nice. So, and I guess, so is the, you know, in in writing a book, it's because I know, I know other writers and you're saying that, yeah, you had like 400 pages and then it's a matter of like, you know, whittling that down or getting like, I guess what's what what's important so how was the um how was like that how's the revisionist process or like going through like okay what's like how how'd you get like you know all that content and how are you like i guess editing it and revisit revising it like from there yeah
1: you know i i realized less is more yeah. um it's not about explaining the concept in a I, again i I started school in, in Russia, Moscow when I was in first grade, right? Third grade, moved back to Armenia, my home country from third to sixth there and then seventh through college here in the U.S. So my foundation is like crap when it comes to knowing a language properly, right? So I was taking two, three words to say what would take one and a half, right? I was taking five words to say what would take three words. Uh, and that was a help editors would give me. So essentially you spend a lot of money in <laughs> hiring an editor. I would say I've got the most expensive book anybody will ever read. <laughs> the amount of money and time I spent on there and the amount of time I took off my business to actually get the book done. I have a lot of research and references about studies, you know, Harvard Business School of Law Studies, you know, mm-hmm. Sweden European studies about cancer research and mental strength and power, power of positive thinking and some examples and basic things how to improve a business and health and family and relationships. Um, uh, there's about, I want to say $30,000 worth of editing in that book. Oh, oh, wow. that's, how, that's how bad of a writer I was. But it's funny. Uh, once I hired my very last editor and that was called Chicago Manus style editing. They had to put the book into Chicago Manus style um, uh, script. Mm -hmm. That's how you're able to publish your book. And she said, I noticed you kind of struggled at the very beginning and towards the last, you know, four or five, six chapters, it was flowing. It was, there was almost no editing left. I said, well, because I was learning how to write better as I wrote this book. (laughs) Uh, If nothing outside of this, when I wrote this book, a lot of my theories made more sense to me. As a matter of fact, Mm -hmm. I didn't know about the, 4F formula until I wrote the book
0: because ah, I, I knew I was yeah.
1: telling people to get healthier, but I wasn't speaking about an order. And mm. at the very beginning when I was writing a book, I was talking about there's a specific order, which I was completely wrong. Mm. I first said, first you take care of your financial tank. When you take care of your financial t- tank, you buy your time back, you bring your health back. Once you bring your health back, you have uh, energy to spend time with friends and family and build more relationships. And with that, you meet that special person, have some kids, have a family, there's your 4Fs. And I was so wrong by thinking that to myself, there's an order. Like we just talked about earlier, life doesn't have yeah. a perfect schedule, yeah. right? Yeah. So some people, you know, you take care of the biggest monkey on your back first. If to mm-hmm. you, it's a relationship, you take care of that first. You sacrifice time with other things. If to you, it's health, you know, you drop other things and you go drop that weight or get into fitness, right? Lift weights, whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. If to use the financial tank, work your butt off, sacrifice some time with some of your friends. Yes. Someone's, some will disappear, some will come, but you need to realize if that's what's hurting you and it's always there, it's going to impact your friendship even worse than not spending time with your friends. So sometimes you, can, you need to allocate that time towards taking that monkey off your back and allocate your time accordingly to rebalance this inexisting perfect balance that people spend their whole life looking for, yeah. which again, it's inexistent. It doesn't exist, right? So there's a balance, but it also there's no perfect balance.
0: Yeah. <laughs> there's no perfect balance. There's no like order. I mean, as you said, there's like no schedule. You can't like, Oh, well on this day. I'll, we'll go Yeah. No, is that,
1: is it? I remember as I wrote the book, I was furious. I had to go back and re-edit all the <laughs> stuff I talked about. Cause I talked about an order, right? I'm yeah. giving people instructions, but I'm like, there's no, there's instructions, but it's not in specific order. That's why I even say in my book, you can read my book and jump chapters and come back. There is no order of how I wrote the book. Every chapter has its own specific lesson. Um, and I actually called a few of my peers who got PhDs and their doctors and asked them the same thing. I'm like, guys, you wrote a thesis, right? You have to defend your dissert- uh, thesis uh, when you did your dissertation. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you, like, you had your thesis. As you wrote about it, did you ever change your thoughts about your thesis? And a lot of them said, yeah, exactly why they make us write. Because when you do, you're babysitting your deepest thoughts on the got piece it. of paper or the computer. And when you do that, it makes more sense. Yeah. So it's very normal to have a thesis and completely disagree with yourself. Mm-hmm. Yes. which makes the editing more difficult but it makes the understanding of your thesis more clear.
0: Got it because it's like you're you're transcribing your thoughts but then by seeing how you're thinking you actually get a chance to organize it and see mm-hmm. like and, and see it in reality from there. Yeah. You're also thinking there's yeah. going to be
1: people reading this, right? Yeah. There's yeah. your, your, your pride's at stake. Like you're talking <laughs> yeah. about something you're spending a lot of time on. You better mm. know your information. Right? Got it. Got it. And that's why as yeah. soon as I was able to discover that there's no balance to myself when I was talking about this, mm-hmm. I became a lot more confident talking about the subject. I'll defend it in front of anyone.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's true because yeah, your words are representing you. So you go kind of like, Oh, well, I got to make sure that it represents something good. Like, Correct. Makes sense. Makes sense. Okay. And then, yeah, I mean, clearly you you, you put a lot of both time money into, into the book, I guess, like throughout, I guess, what was the, I guess, what was the hardest part or I guess so far of, of, of writing or like constructing the book for you? Yeah.
1: Um, I mean, outside of the basics of editing, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. hardest part was about, Motivating yourself, motivating yourself to do something from scratch. Mm. Um, me and my, one of my employees were talking about the other day. Uh, he was listening to a podcast somewhere where they said it's very important to reinvent yourself and learn something from scratch. And it's a, I think, vital part of humility in yourself, bringing you down to reality to realize because you're not, you're not perfect. Because some people might figure something out on PhD and pro level, but that's all they're doing for the rest of their life. And you kind of get full of yourself thinking that you're a professional. You graded everything. But you never take time off to learn to play piano from scratch, to learn to write a book from scratch, to learn to run from scratch. And, and I realized unintentionally, I've always been looking for doing things from scratch when I learned to run from scratch. I got into triathlons. I didn't know how to swim. I could do two laps in the pool. Well, I had to work my way up to like 200 laps. I did. <laughs> yeah. I learned the stroke. I learned the breathing. I learned proper goggles and swimming gear. Then I had to get into bikes i learned that there's two kinds of bikes you gotta buy when you get in triathlons a road bike and a triathlon bike there's two different positions there's a trainer you gotta get there's this old, this the new world right and then so to me exposing myself to be able to do things from scratch was, was a big part of humility as well and uh i guess the reason why i use this example i think it's another vital part about understanding who you are uh is to uh, bring humility in your life by doing things to start from scratch so again it is difficult to answer your question uh you know why and what. Um, I, I subconsciously like doing things from scratch to bring back a little bit more humble attitude into my life. Because when you figure things out, you get a little cocky with your own knowledge.
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I think, I think that that that's totally true. And Just like in terms of reinventing yourself, or in terms of finding new aspects. Because now you gotta be a beginner again in something. And,
1: Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) reality check that you're not so great, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's a hard thing for a lot of people to do, but yeah, I think You gotta swallow your pride. You gotta swallow your pride. I know for sure. And then in essence by once taking, especially like, I'm sure like once you look at the new skills and you realize like how much you progress in that, that gives you confidence until like starting more from scratch because knowing that, oh, I can start from something from the beginning and I can get to like a competent level. Like Correct. From, and, from you, there. Yeah.
1: and you quit avoiding uh commitments and fear because a lot of people don't commit to things because of fear of failure
0: mm-hmm. and
1: to mm-hmm. us fear of failure i uh, actually was reading about this it, it, the reason why we are for, so fearful of risk uh biologically genetically we're we're actually built to think uh risk is death
0: mm-hmm.
1: and if you think about thousands of years of human survival if we did not check the cave that could be a lying that comes out and eats you, right? If, yeah. if you weren't cautious of a sound in the bushes, you better look, otherwise you might get attacked by a wild animal and killed. That's why when you hear something, we naturally look, right? Yes. We're looking out for safety. So to us, risk meant you're putting yourself at a chance of dying. Hmm. So imagine we have thousands of years of genetics and the last you know 67 years we've been exposed to business and commitments and all these different things. So yeah, naturally we're afraid of committing to something new because it's a risk. We're associating it with death. Hmm. But when you do enough of that, you realize it's not deadly. Got it. failure is great i think failure is one of the best lessons out there it's a teacher lean towards it want it do it but walk out of it with the lesson because that's how wisdom is built in my opinion
0: got it yeah, yeah. it's like it's confronting yeah it's like confronting more things or confronting more failure or like putting yourself in situations like that
1: yeah well actually so you do mma right yes i do i mean yeah. i mean are, are punches any less hard
0: no, you've no. You learned
1: the lesson. Yeah, you, you got learned, learned to learn,
0: block and duck, yeah.
1: right? Yeah, and you've got better. You've gotten yeah. stronger. You got more confident. And I bet you adopting that skill into your life has made you a more confident, capable person. Oh yeah. But for you sure. took that risk to get punched in the face several yes. times to get back up. Oh, for um, sure. And it's not just physical punches you got to take to the face. Again, the new lessons and the mm-hmm. business. Whether sometimes the reality check to realize your marriage is not perfect, right? You, you know, you don't get along. You disagree. You argue. But it's okay. Life is all yeah. about speed bumps. It's not about what happens to you is how you react and yes, how you adapt. Yes.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think, I think that, that's an important thing. It's not, yeah, it isn't about what happens, it is how you react because you can't control necessarily everything that happens to you, but you, can't, you are in control of how you react to things. Like yeah,
1: from Correct. I mean, you yeah. and I get put into the yeah. same position where somebody throws a couple of punches. Trust yeah. me, your results will be my punch better <laughs> than mine. You will duck and you block, I might get hit in the face, right? So, yeah. but that's the outcome of, of the risk you've put to learn to block yourself, right? Yeah. To attack forward. As a matter of fact, to win that situation. Mm-hmm. And I think life goes the same way, right? You continuously have to strengthen yourself. So when the life does punch you and kick you and throw you to the ground, you got to know how to get back up because like it or not, you're getting kicked and punched sometimes on <laughs> daily, weekly, monthly basis, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. And you, yeah, you got to react to that. You got to understand how to, yeah, how to develop and, and, and adapt to it. So yeah, I totally agree with that. I totally agree with just the tenets of, yeah, just finding new skills. and Finding, finding new things that you're not quite as good at because I think that also then reinforces like I guess skill building and then things that you are more confident in and you can see like oh like just seeing once again through a beginner's eyes like from there like I think just in I mean you asked me at the beginning like how I started this podcast I just did it because I wanted to you know I just wanted to talk to interesting people and learn more things and I realized oh yeah there's a lot of you know there's a lot of audio engineering things a lot of things that I never once considered but if I had never like put myself in that position to like take that risk, then I would never have learned or yeah. gotten to meet all these people. So yeah,
1: there, there's like absolutely zero growth yeah. in comfort.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh no, very very true. It's like that growth exists like outside your comfort zone. Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. So Totally agree. So I guess in terms of your, I mean, still yes, yeah, still on the you know publishing side of your book. Like, what is I guess, like, do you have, like, any goals or anything that, like, I mean, you've, you've spent a lot of time with the book. Like, what do you, what, what do you hope to achieve, like, with it?
1: Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm a man of God. Yeah. Um, I truly believe in, mm-hmm. in uh, making people's day, helping. I, I, the amount of free labor I do in coaching, is not even funny, right? Uh, <laughs> and I'm not, you know, doing that for money, to be honest. My business pays me well enough to find joy in helping. Um, that's why I became a deacon at my church. I like volunteering and doing things. I'm helping, you know, with rallies and fundraisers and stuff like that. I think, um, for the same reason why I wrote the book, I didn't write it for no other reason but to provide people health or old family, but I just want to shed a light on this subject for people to understand that, um, you know, life isn't about just one thing. So yeah. I guess I would, I would love the book to be a bestseller, not mm-hmm. for money. I would love if there was a difference between knowing I made an impact and a difference on like hundred thousand people's lives versus it made me a million dollars. I'll take the impact on hundred thousand people's lives any day. No question. Again, I didn't get into the book business because I wanted to make money selling books. I wanted to get into the book business because I wanted to get the philosophy and theories and the and work and things that I've done in my personal life that has really worked. And a lot of people have read it including my mentors and people that read thousands of books and said, wow, this this needs to be out in front of people because it is a lot of good information out there. But when I had the blessing of people that are doctorates and master's degrees and the ones who read my foreigners writing, who came to America when I was 13, and I'm able to actually put this in writing and they blessed me. And these people are a lot more successful than me. They're worth hundreds of millions of dollars and a lot more successful. When their blessing was there, I said, you know what? It's good enough for them. It's good enough for the world. So I'm I want to spread the message more than anything
0: else. For sure, I think. Oh, so then in terms of yeah, like finding like mentors and uh, finding people like that. Like, how did you how how did you go about like uh, I guess like tracking mentors or finding like groups of people that you you look up to. Yeah.
1: Um, I believe you find what you seek. Mm. A lot of people say mentors are good for you. I want a mentor but nobody's looking for them and they're right in front of us. Uh, Do do you know how many people in business that, that I've somewhat helped and I said, Hey, keep in touch. I would love to help you call me on my cell phone. Let's talk when we're driving. Let me give you some pointers and vice versa. I actually call and ask for advice 24 seven. I don't have things figured out, but I've done the business specific insurance business for 10 years. I've got most things figured out and, and questionably more successfully than most people in a similar business in the country. So I've got a lot of good information I've stole from others, but I've always seeked the mentorship. And I used to bug people who knew what they were talking about Mm -hmm. a lot to the point where I started getting the subject as good as them. Mm -hmm. And there's been a lot of people who unfortunately did not make it in this business. And if they would have called me once a month, they would have been just fine with a multi six figure income with their life being balanced. But that's why a lot of people say, I want mentorship and coaching. I want to, you know, person to admire, look up to, they're saying that, but they're not acting like they really mean it. So that's right. why mentors are everywhere. I, you know, people are my mentors that don't even know they are. We have a guy in my church named Levon. I admire to him like there is no tomorrow. I mean, he's just like he's the guy that shows up early. He stays in late and cleans up. He's got a wonderful relationship with his family. Wonderful kids. You know, beautiful relationship with his spouse. Great deacon at my church. He's older than I am, right? So we get to volunteer at church, and I look at him. I'm like, when I get to his age, I want to have his level of success. Very successful, by the way, person at. Um, a large corporation at, uh, at Google, actually. Uh, so there's a lot of things I admire certain people that don't even know. And I also pick their brain often. But there's also a couple of my, my mentors who know they're my mentors and I call them for random stuff sometimes. Hey, what would you do in this? And sometimes they're like, why are you even asking me that, right? <laughs> but I would love to hear their response because I wanna know how I should react once in a while, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so again, life, if, I, if, if I'm looking for MMA advice, why wouldn't I pick up the call and call you, right? Um, uh, yeah. my brother's a pro fighter, right? So why wouldn't I pick his brand like this, this, mm-hmm. uh, Thanksgiving, I'm going to uh, run from my house, which is about eight miles to his house. And he's going to kick my butt in his garage. So I'm, <laughs> I, 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 I want to learn how to defend myself. So yeah. maybe my next thing, starting from scratch is I've messed with MMA a little bit, uh, mm-hmm. jitsu but I've never really fully committed. Um, I think after some Ironman races in 2021, hopefully they don't get canceled again. Yeah. Um, cage fighting might be my uh, next passion okay. and I, I might okay. see you soon. So,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sounds, so, sounds good. I think that's the thing. It's like that determinable action. Cause like you said, there's a lot of people that want stuff, but there's few people that actually go out and try and get it like from yeah. there Cause you, cause you hear that a lot. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I you always know. say there's a lot of Kings and Queens of ideas and philosophies, <laughs> but there's very few executionists, right? Uh, yes. I can't tell yes. you how many people want things, but they just don't <laughs> want it bad enough. They just don't yeah. want it bad enough.
0: Yeah. No, that's, That is very true. (laughs) A lot of kings and queens of ideas. That that that's so true. But it's like, whereas it really is as simple as that. Like there is no, (laughs) there there is no secret. Like the 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 truth is out there. It's just a matter of them wanting it and and going to do it. Yeah. So, yeah, it's always it's always been puzzling like to me in terms of that. But uh, yeah, no, I've been guilty of I've been guilty
1: of ignoring mentorship myself. Uh, this mm-hmm. whole COVID situation kind of got me uh, kind of closed off. And I'm not really meeting with too many of my you know, friends and business partners and you know peers and mentors. because We're all trying to maintain this COVID rule to stay clean, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, but I also preach about this. And I, I'm not practicing what I'm preaching right now. I'm like, who do you call before you go to work? Right? If you're not having a good day, who do you call? You mm-hmm. get off work, who do you call? Right? So I think that conversation before you walk into office or workspace or place where people depend on your mood and your motivation, it's very important for if you're that figure, you're that manager, the leader, mentor, figure, uh, again, if it's workspace, or even if you're a father, when you come home or or husband, what do you do to put yourself in a mindset to make sure that interaction is going to be positive, it's going to be good, it's going to be impactful. And I think who you call and who you talk to is a huge part of that. You call the gossiper, guess what, you come home, you continue (laughs) gossiping. You call the person who's going to set you straight and say, "Hey, you got to, you know, work hard. Mm-hmm. You know, let's talk about what's going on, what's on your mind. You share, you vent, you get things off your chest. You walk home, you're more present. Your spouse enjoys you, children enjoy you. Who do you call before you get to work? You walk into work and talk about the gossip from last night, or you walk into the office and, hey, I learned something new. Hey, by the way, now you're showing genuine interest and care to help your team and, mm-hmm. and you know, talk to your customers and that kind of stuff. So I think a lot of times we think about controlling our own thoughts, but a lot of times the environment we surround ourselves with really primes our mind, even though, and it could bring out the bad and the good. So what you surround yourself with is really, really important. That's oh, a good sure. quote. You know, yeah. you're the sum of five people you surround yourself with yeah. and that can change. Some weeks you talk to yeah. positive people, some weeks you talk <laughs> to negative people, yeah. but uh, I, I believe it's a, it's a underutilized power. People talk about, you know, investing into stocks and bonds. Why don't you invest into time with good people? Mm-hmm. Cause I promise you that will be your best return on investment outside of any any stocks or real estate it's it's who you spend time with that's a really really big one
0: oh well, yeah for for sure i've yeah the yeah you do become like what what you surround yourself in and like i remember a good quote like i've i heard was that you're <laughs> you you don't, you don't necessarily control your environment you become you become a product of of what you're around you, yeah. you that, that that's just how it goes you're not going to get if you're around, yeah, if you're around a bunch of bad things mm-hmm. that you'll end up becoming yeah. like,
1: that, well, like it's it It's funny. Yeah. They looked at yeah. Facebook statistics.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I can't remember percentage. but It was a large percentage of obese people on Facebook mm-hmm. had large percentage of obese friends mm-hmm. on Facebook. Mm-hmm. You didn't, you know, you, you don't see that, you know, fitness model and then they a bunch of friends who were out of shape, yeah. right? It was literally, they attracted what they were. Yes. Or they adapted to their environment. Because, I mean, yes. here's what I believe about law of attraction, right? Um, my positive energy was so overwhelming for some people, they left my life. They quit working for me. Mm-hmm. They found a way out of way away from me. But also, it was so magnetic-like for some people. They were naturally attracted to me. And they started working for me and working with me and in relationships, right? And a lot of people actually call me and ask me, like, because I have a really amazing, I would say probably one of the best teams in the country as far as that works for me. Um, and people ask me, where do you find your team? I'm like, there's no website. You go on winner hired. <laughs> it's, 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 how do you, if you're, if you want your team to be nine out of 10, you almost have to be nine to 10 out of 10 yourself. Yes. Right. So, so you don't find people that have all this, you get them with potential mm-hmm. because if they're comfortable around positivity, drive, coachability, motivation, and that's what you are, they're gonna stick around, they're gonna absorb it, and some of them will become better than you. Mm-hmm. But if they're not comfortable around that, they're gonna find a way out. That's yeah. what law of attraction is. Because if you're this negative, complaint fool gossip, well, the positive person won't be comfortable around you. They'll quit, they won't, they won't work for you or with you. Your partner will bounce on you, right? But the person who's just like you will come around, you'll be comfortable with them, they'll be comfortable with you. Next thing you know, five of your fast, you know, closest friends are the gossips, are the, you know, lazies, are the snooze button hitters, right? And that's why you attract what you are, not what you want. So unfortunately, truth is some people that call me asking me for advice of where to find, you know, winner employees and winner team members for your business. Yeah. My answer is look in the mirror. <laughs>
0: yeah, look at the person in the mirror again. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's very true. And okay, let's, we can start wrapping up, Hike. Uh, I guess like how do, how can people, you know, find out more about your book or how can they find out more about you? Like, What's a good resource for them to look out?
1: Yeah. Um, for now, uh, there's been a lot of people yeah. um, contacting me through, through Instagram, which is hike underscore agency, H-A-Y-K, mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. I have a website, hiket.org, mm-hmm. H-A-Y-K-T.org. People have been signing up to get potentially my book coming up soon. I'm going to be doing pay for shipping, get a free copy of my book soon. It's going to mm-hmm. be a launch coming up on social media pages. Okay. Uh, I've got a pretty big uh, marketing firm helping me with that. So we're waiting for 2,000 copies to come in as soon as it's in. I'm going to be essentially giving him all with for free. Oh, wow. um, so once that rolls out, I guess a lot of people in, in our East side Seattle area will see the ads. It's going to be all over yeah. the place. Uh, again, like I said, I, I don't mind spending more money getting the message out there. I did not do this for profit. I'm doing this for more uh, selfish reasons of helping people because it makes me feel good about myself. Mm-hmm. Selfishly speaking. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, well, that's beautiful. Well, thank you for your time, Hike. Um, any other words you want to part with the viewers before we uh, take off.
1: No. Um, I nothing else. But I'll, maybe I'll I love quotes, and I've referenced this quote in my book multiple times. Uh, mm-hmm. And I've heard this quote. I've been sharing with everybody, so I'll, I'll share this with you, Potchula, and your era sure. uh, following. Mm-hmm. Uh, to live in fear is to live in the future. To live in regret is to live in the past. Mm-hmm. To live happily, take advantage of your life, is to live in the present, right? And all the good opportunities, I believe, come from the moment. Because when you become, you know, you put your mind where your feet are, you take advantage of your job, you take advantage of the relationship in front of you, your date. Or the you know money making tool, whatever it is in front of you, the workout. Because sometimes when your mind is somewhere else, you're oh, not yeah. giving your best, right? You're not, you're not giving
0: your all. So, yeah.
1: So that's why ninety percent of what we fear never happens. That's why stop thinking about the fears of future. You're fine today. You'll be fine tomorrow. And quit reliving the past because when you're thinking about could have, should have, would have, again you're impacting the opportunity to, to make the most of yourself. It's like try to mind wander during a cage fight. Uh, like you, you're getting yeah, you're getting yeah. killed, right? So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that's why think in, in all aspects of life if in, in any way i have a, any message to share i think be present and be in the moment because all the good opportunities in life come from the spot not from somewhere else
0: oh for sure all right thank you again for your time hike all right that's been <laughs> that that's been pet creation philosophy thanks for tuning in everybody bye